Hey, morning, everybody. How are y'all? Good. I am so, so glad. Thank you, Nikki. Is she not the best? Oh, my gosh, Nikki. Um, I, I also, uh, I, I'm so glad to get a chance to be with you, and I just want to say welcome. It's a like huge honor to get the opportunity to share with you guys today, and uh, for those of you online who are watching, uh, thank you for joining us today, and uh, we hope that uh, you will be closer to Jesus at the end of today uh, than you were when it started, and that's, that's for all of us uh, in here as well. So uh, super glad you're here. I've also had the chance, uh, I've done the stuff Ron was talking about, um, also had the chance to speak at Faceplant and at Powderburn. Is there anybody in here who's been to Faceplant or Powderburn? I see a few of you, okay. And I see some young people that haven't gone. You guys need to go sometime, okay? That's the uh, middle and high school camps that uh, Covenant does uh, in the wintertime, amazing camps. So, um, hey, I'm glad uh, to be here and to be sharing today. I pray that today uh, helps us grow closer to the heart of God just a little bit. Uh, we're doing a series called That'll Leave a Mark, and we're talking about uh, how does God leave a mark on our lives and change who we are and kind of form the character of who we're becoming. Uh, and I'm going to just go real quick with too much too soon on this and let you know, I had somebody in my life that left a mark on me. And you can have people that leave a mark on your life, either in a good way, or you know, not always good, right? Um, I had an obsession as a kid with this guy. Uh, now, everybody young in the room is like, oh, isn't that the guy from uh, Back to the Future, you know, like uh, McFly? No, I, anybody older, you know who this is, right? You remember his, his name on Family Ties? Alex Keaton. Alex P. Keaton, okay. What did Alex Keaton love more than anything? Money, right? He loved money. You guys, and I'm like 10 years old, watching Family Ties, Thursday nights. Remember the lineup on Thursday nights on NBC? Wow, Cheers, Family Ties, Night Court, all that stuff. I loved that stuff. I lived for Thursday nights. And I loved Alex P. Keaton, and he was obsessed with money. And I remember as a kid, I'm like 10 years old, I'm watching this, like, I wanted to be like him. And, and I started like, obsessing over money myself. And even as a kid, I just like, this guy helped shape who I am. And you guys, I still struggle with it. I still struggle with like this sense of greed and entitlement and love of money. And I, you know, I'm not going to blame him because he's a fictional character on TV. But there's people who can leave a mark on our lives. And I want you to stop and think for a second, who's left a great mark on your life? Like in a good way. And who's left a mark on your life maybe not so good? You know, some of us have uh, people who left a mark on our life, like an athlete or maybe an artist or it's like MLK Jr., you know, like a, a friend, a family member, a grandparent. Like there's a lot of people that could leave uh, a mark on our life. But here's something I want you to think about today as we think about People who have left a mark on our life. This is, this is true for just about every single person. In fact, every single person who has left a mark on our life that has maybe passed away or gone to the grave or is a fictional character, 
their mark, their speaking, their words on your life end with a period. Okay, Alex P. Keaton isn't cranking out new material anymore. MLK Jr., as great as he was, he ain't, he's not writing anything more. That politician or that athlete who is gone now, they're not producing anything more. Their mark on your life, what the content of what they give you is limited to their life. There's one exception. There's one person who has tasted the grave that is still speaking and wants to speak to you today, I believe. And that is Jesus, who went to the grave and through his resurrection. Part of what that resurrection means is that that power, that relationship, is still going today. There's a little tail on that period with Jesus, isn't there? There's a comma. Because there's more that he has to say to you. And there's stuff he wants to say to us today. And that'll leave a mark. I want to start this morning by asking you a question. When you think about your relationship with Jesus, does it feel more like it's a period? Like it's not alive and breathing and active. And as you're facing decisions in your life and which way to go, right? We've all got stuff right now that we're trying to navigate. Do we have a God who's a period? Or do we have a God who's actively speaking to us? Because some of us feel like, um, have, you, have you ever heard somebody say like, yeah, I, I've been praying and I feel called to, and they say what they feel called to. And you're like, how did you find that out? How, how is this person still hearing from God? And you feel like somebody who's like on the outside looking in. Like, have you ever felt like everybody else has this like, they're getting visions from God or something? And you're like, that, God doesn't do that with me. And you start to think, like, I, maybe I'm just a period person. Maybe, maybe I'm not a comma person. Everybody else around me is a comma person. There must be something wrong with me. Maybe it's because I did that thing, or maybe it's because I'm doing that thing, or whatever it is. Guys, I, I want this morning to be an invitation into the comma life with God. Um, some of you guys, he can be hard to read, but I, I love him. Uh, some of you guys know of a theologian who's passed away, right? His, his contribution is now, uh, his name's Dallas Willard, and he's just a brilliant theologian. Here's what he says about hearing God. Uh, check this out. This is a quote from Dallas. Hearing God, a daring idea. Some would even say presumptuous and even dangerous Right? You think about it, like, there's people who say, like, oh, yeah, I was praying, and God told me to, and fill in the blank, and it's like, oh, you sure about that? I'm not sure God told you to do that. Right? A, a comma can be a dangerous thing. Presumptuous and even dangerous. But what if we were made for it? What if the human system simply will not function properly without it, without this comma? Isn't it more presumptuous and dangerous, in fact, to undertake human existence without hearing from God? Because Dallas is saying we're, we're made for this. 
We're made for you today to be in an intimate relationship with God that is growing and breathing and is not stale tradition. I want to to invite us, right, today into the comma life with God. Um, I want to read to you guys a passage uh, where you see Jesus comma life going on. And um, this is in Luke chapter 6. And uh, just a brief passage, just a few verses today. But I want us to look at this and I want us to see some things. Because what I want to do today is to try to give us a little sense of some principles around listening to God. In my experience, uh, being a pastor for however long, being around people, um, often, this is myself included, often I feel like when it comes to hearing God, we're often kind of interested in the tricks. We're often interested in um, kind of like, well, how do I do it? How does that guy get the visions and I don't? Is there some like secret way that I need to pray? No, that's magic. It's not what we're interested in. This is a relationship that we're a part of here with God. For those of you who are parents of teenagers, you know, you have to communicate in a certain way, right? And and God's the same way with us. You know, we we have certain things in our lives that are um, inanimate objects. I want you to uh, think about this morning when I left my house, right before I left, it's going to be 91 degrees today, I went to the sprinkler box and I programmed it to go off today at 9 a.m., so it should be about, you know, uh, maybe a little, few more minutes left. And, and I, it's an inanimate object. It does exactly what I tell it to do. When, I, when you get in your car and you go home, you're going to take the steering wheel and you're going to turn it. It's an inanimate object. It's going to do exactly what you tell it to. At least I hope it does, okay? Don't be or wish to be an inanimate object. Sometimes we approach God just say, oh, just tell me what to do. Just steer. I just need, uh, just tell me, make it clear. He's never going to do that. Why? Because he loves you too much for that. There's a relationship that we're talking about here. In this passage in Luke 6, you're going to see Jesus' comma relationship with God. Okay? Here we go. This is what it says. One day, soon afterward, and I'll tell you what the, after what here in a moment. Soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. I've never done that before, just to be clear. At daybreak, he called together all his disciples and chose 12 of them to be apostles. Here are their names. Simon, whom he called Peter. Andrew, Peter's brother. James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. So, did you guys notice this? Uh, I, I just think it's so interesting. What does Jesus do? He goes away, he prays all night, and when he comes down the mountainside, he makes a very concrete decision. Does any you see that? Something happened with Jesus where this comma was going on, this relationship with God was coming on in a way that caused him, moved him to make a decision that was actually very concrete and important. He's got a whole group of people following him at this point. He's got masses of people who wouldn't want to follow him, who wouldn't want to listen to this guy 
greatest teacher, even, if, even people who hated him are following him around. And he comes down the mountainside after this conversation with God all night, and he's ready to make a concrete decision. How did he get there? What do we see in this passage that maybe could help us understand how we could approach God with principles, not formula, principles around how do we hear God in our lives? How do we let him leave a mark on us? Um, some of you guys uh, been to Europe. Uh, I wish I could go all the time. Although I would get fat on waffles in some square in Belgium. If you've ever, I mean, so good. Uh, but one of the beautiful things, our family went to the Netherlands a couple of years ago. And uh, if you've been to the Netherlands, you know it's windmills. Right? Every, these beautiful windmills that kind of, you know, look like this. And they're just so cool. And we get some windmills around here, but you don't see it like this, like you see in Europe. And most of them have one, two, three, four blades on it. Right? And they spin and spin. I don't know what they do exactly, but they're cool looking. And so you've got these windmills with their four blades. And what I want to do today is suggest that I think there's kind of four blades, things, principles around how we hear God, that as they spin together, that the Holy Spirit, actually, I pray you'll feel that wind of the Spirit in your life. And so I want to give you some of these um, ideas here on how I think, what are the principles of hearing God and the spirit as it blows in your life, just like a little four-bladed windmill. Uh, first blade of that windmill is this, and it's the most dangerous. So I'm, I'm giving you this one with a warning. <laughs> do not do this one on its own. Uh, the first blade of the windmill is circumstances. What are the circumstances going on in life that you see that could point to God directing you. Even Jesus in this passage. Why, why now? We're six chapters into Luke. Why didn't he appoint the 12 apostles like in chapter two? You know, like why didn't he get to that a little bit quicker? In those first few verses leading up, what, what we didn't read is conflict happening. Hey, there's a couple things that happen. Jesus is out. His followers and him are walking through fields. The Pharisees, who were like the religious leaders, were saying, hey, you cannot even pick a little piece of wheat on the Sabbath. That's against the Jewish law. Don't even dare do it. And his disciples are doing it. And the Pharisees are mad. And it gets worse, right? When he starts healing people on the Sabbath, Pharisees are mad. And in fact, the verse leading into the passage I read you said that the religious leaders were wild with rage. Right? That's how the, um, the New Living Translation describes it. They're wild with rage, and they're just trying to figure out what to do with Jesus, and eventually they're going to kill him. Guys, I think Jesus is looking at these circumstances as he goes up on the hill with God, and this conversation is going on, and he's going, now's the time. I need, I need a crew. I need a crew with me. Now's the time where I need to start picking who I'm going to live into. I need it. I want to be, I, I need that community. But I also, now's the time to start teaching them. The circumstances were ripe right then for Jesus to make that kind of decision. 
I want you to think about a decision in your life right now that you're thinking about. And I want you to think about the circumstances. And I want you to ask three questions. Okay, let me show you. Here are three questions. What doors is God opening and closing? Are you pausing? It's the hardest thing. Are you pausing to look at the history behind this? How's God, what story is he weaving with you? How can you look and you go, gosh, I would have never thought that would have happened. That's often a sign that God's doing something. And then the third thing is, I want you to notice your emotions in your circumstances. It makes you angry. It gives you joy. Often, God is speaking through those emotions in a way that if we start to trace those back where they come from, we discover maybe some of what God is saying to us. There's a beautiful book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. If you have not seen that, excellent. Now here, I want to say this again. This is the weakest of the blades. If, if, if you make your, and this is my experience being around churches for 20 some years, people who are new to the faith want to make their decisions just based on circumstance. Oh yeah, I think God's doing this. And they don't use the other blades and they get in deep trouble. Don't ever use this one on its own. But you can see Jesus, even Jesus here, right? The circumstances are adding up. It's time to move. All right, second blade is this. The second one is contact. And what we mean by that is direct contact. And I put that on the next slide here too, right? Guys, Jesus goes. He goes and he seeks the Father himself. He's in a conversation with God. Um, let, me, let me show you a little kind of what I'm thinking here. And um, I'm a nerd, okay? I, for some reason, I, like, Nikki can tell you, like, whenever I go to camp and I speak at a camp, I'm like, flip chart, ah, you know? And other speakers are cooler and they have videos and all that kind of stuff. I just, I don't know why. There's something about a little flip chart. I just love you. Um, so... Um, let me, let me show you. Often I think when we approach this relationship with God, often some of us are just after communication. I want to tell you, that's not enough. Communication with God, and, and maybe this is our starting point, and that's okay too. But we don't just want to communicate. Okay? I, I'm communicating right now with the IRS. I mean, I turned in my taxes on March 18th, and I haven't seen a refund yet. You can communicate with your ex. You can communicate with your enemy. Communication is not an impressive thing all by itself, right? We, We want something more, don't we? Doesn't your heart kind of yearn for more than just, eh? No, we're after something different. We are after community with God. Community points us back to relationship. And here in this story, you can see how Jesus sees how we move. We should all be asking, how do you move from just communication? Communication is like, it's time to eat dinner. God, thank you for this food. Great prayer. We should do that. 
but we want to move into community with God. And Jesus shows us how to do that. One of the ways he shows us, even in this passage, when it says, uh, and, and we can show this passage on the screen here, Luke 6, 12, one day soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. Jesus knows part of the way you move into community with God is time spent being around it, going where he goes. There's this beautiful passage in Revelation that talks about the followers of Jesus, and it says the followers of Jesus will go wherever he goes. Think about that. Where does he go? He goes uncomfortable places. He hangs out with people that I don't want to. He does stuff and calls me to do things that make me uncomfortable. But as I enter in and I move out of just mere communication into community, I will go wherever he goes. And it's going to be messy and hard. And I'm going to spend that kind of time with him. And as I do, I'm actually moving into community with him. Why? Because now I've got a shared purpose with God. Uh, Last night at 9 o'clock, we drove to DIA and we dropped off our two teenagers, Micah and Josh, a graduated senior and an incoming junior in high school. And we dropped them off because our church is going, uh, sent, is going to the Bahamas with their high school kids. Okay, Bahamas, right? But they're going to do hurricane relief. And they're going with 20-some other kids, and I mean, I'm like so psyched for them. Micah, Micah, like Josh is the extrovert. Micah's a little bit more introverted. Doesn't know many people on the trip. Um, He's a little more nervous about going. You just wait. It's usually the third day at lunch, okay? For those of you who know camps, the third day at lunch, something clicks. And all of a sudden, everybody's friends. Because we've spent time around each other, we have a common mission with each other. That's the invitation that Jesus is calling us into. And as you do, you start to hear him more too. But we actually don't want to stop just at community. Let me show you something. This is kind of a scary word. What we actually want to move toward with God is unity with God. You know, Jesus says, and this is part of what's happening when he goes away to pray that night, he comes back and he says, I and the Father are one. That's a massive statement. And of course, we're all in this room going, yeah, but I'm not Jesus. What about when Paul, who wrote a lot of the New Testament, Paul in 2 Corinthians says, we have the mind of Christ. Paul's moved into a different kind of realm with God where he, he's so in tune with what God wants. This time spent coupled with something else, and I'm just going to call it this, surrender has led him to a place of unity where he can actually, with God, say, we have the mind of Christ. You want to talk about God speaking to you, 
you're so on the same wavelength with God, there's no need for miraculous signs. He's whispering to me daily. Just to be clear, I ain't there. I like live up here somewhere. But I want to meet here. Um, let me give you an example of this. So, uh, gosh, you guys. This is one of the more interesting and maybe dumb things we have done in a long time. We just bought a puppy. Okay? Um, we have a golden retriever puppy. It's a beautiful English cream golden, and it's insane. The thing eats rocks. It sprints around the house. It sprints around the yard. Like, I, I, I'm just watching this dog going, what were we thinking? Like, we're just about, like, at this point of life where we get a little bit more freedom, and we go and do this. So, um, so I'm going to tell you what happened last week with this dog. And, and to preface this, just so you know a little bit about me, like, my sport is baseball. Love baseball. Play baseball as a kid. Love baseball. Love watching baseball. And uh, so last week, this puppy's insane. My, my wife is, like, feeling really determined, and she should, right? She's being great. Like, we really want to train this dog to be a great dog. And so she's, like, in full-on training mode with the dog. And so she comes to me, and she says, Hey, Jim, um, on Tuesday night at 7 o'clock, I got us puppy class in Longmont, okay? About half an hour down the road. Now, what happened on Tuesday night in the baseball world? Anybody know? <laughs> okay. So she says, puppy class, 7 o'clock in Longmont, we're off. What do I do? I go to puppy class, okay? We, we go to puppy class, here's what happens. We show up, there's like six other dogs who've like been training forever. They're all nicely sitting on their little platforms, like... My dog, Bowman, shows up and I'm like holding him back as he's like, you know... And so we're sitting there, I'm like, this is not going to go well. There's a bulldog, there's a pug, there, it's like, it was like cartoon characters. There's this little mustache dog uh, that was like this long. Like, all this, you're like, this is, this is, this is not real, right? So we, um, we get there, and the dreaded moment of puppy class comes when the instructor says, let him go. I'm like, oh, okay. I let go of the leash. Like, this thing is flying around the, the room, like, in circles, attacking other dogs and stuff. It, like, I've never known this before, but it's like, it's actually really hard to look at some of the other owners, you know, like, once your dog has done something. So my dog disappears around the corner, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't even go over there. I don't even want to know. Well, the instructor pulls out a spray bottle. You ever seen this? A little spray bottle, and it just starts going, boom, and no! And it's just spraying my dog, so finally I'm like, I got to see what's going on. The dog has jumped on the mustache dog and is like doing what dogs want to do, you know? And I'm like, good Lord. And the whole time, the Major League Baseball All-Star Game is on at Coors Field. And I'm going, what am I doing? You know what I'm doing? I'm surrendering. I've been married to my wife for 24 years. I can finish her sentences. I know what's important to her. As, as tough as it is, man, the, the All-Star game, 
No, I'm going to puppy class. I'm going to go to puppy class. Because there's unity between her and me. Because as we, we, I don't need her to like, you know, give me an ultimatum. I know what's important to her. As we spend time with Jesus, as we surrender our heart to him, as we're around him, as we live, as we breathe into a relationship, again, not just tradition, but a relationship that's alive today, you start to see this unity with God where you're like, I know what he wants. You know, I I used to think sometimes that um, people that experience big, grandiose visions and that kind of thing, they must just be way more mature. That's, that's when you're a mature Christian, is when God speaks in like a lightning bolt. But I don't know that that's true. I actually wonder as we deepen into our life with God, into the sense of what Paul talks about as the mind of Christ, if what we actually hear as we become mature is, mature is a daily whisper from God. Where are you here? Where are you here? I mean, this, eh, I'm kind of, eh. and there's no shame in this, right? But the question is, how can we move to the spot where I, as Jesus in this passage does, he's so close to his father that he knows, he knows. Third blade I'll share with you is community. And I'll uh, read this passage to you from uh, Luke, uh, verse 13. It says, At daybreak, he called together all his disciples and chose 12 of them to be apostles. Jesus wanted a community. Now, it's interesting to think, when he called the apostles together, all the disciples together, did he say, like, did he just make an announcement or did he have a conversation with them? Okay. Is, is he engaged with them in conversation around this? But what you see in this is God is not a lone ranger, you guys. By the way, the Trinity ought to tell you that. Father, Son, Spirit. There's a reason for that. God wants to be in community, and part of us hearing God is also being in community. You all know you can just watch church online, right? You know why you don't, at least not all the time. It's because you want to be in this room. You want to be in that cafe. You want to be in small groups. You want to have somebody who's mentoring you. But, you know, I, I'm all for church online. Love you guys who are watching Brackenridge right now. But don't just keep it there. Come in person. Why? Because we want to be in relationship with other people because that's part of the way we hear God. So here's three questions for you on that. Do you have a mentor? Do you have a group? Are you doing this for somebody else? Is there somebody in your life that you are helping them hear the voice of God? Don't get a huge to-do list on me and feel guilty if you don't get all this done either, by the way. What I'm trying to do today is just say, is there some pieces here that we can pick up on as we move through this process and go, I'm going to leave today trying this. That's my hope. Uh, you'll notice I've had given you three C's. I actually didn't mean to do that. Um, but once I got to the fourth one, I just thought, I'm going to give you a fourth C. The last word is this, scripture. Yeah. <laughs> I told him, I said, 
I'm going to send the slides over. Don't change the spelling of that, because at least two people are going to laugh at that joke. So please leave that. Um, you guys, Jesus isn't making decisions in a vacuum. Even Jesus, not making decisions in a vacuum. And by the way, this last one is kind of the trump card on this. Guys, if I've heard people say, I feel like God's calling me to do something. And it is so clearly like not in line with what you would read in the scripture that you go, I don't know about that. Sure. This one's so important. And Jesus had it just infused in who he was. Even, even when I told you how uh, he's out in the field picking wheat and people are mad at him for it, look, look what he says. This is going back to verse 3 of the same chapter. He responds to him, Haven't you read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? Right? His just instinct is that he knows the scripture. So as you're trying to seek the Lord, and maybe for some of us, maybe this is your strongest point, maybe for some of you you feel like, this is my weakest point. It's all right, but whatever it is, enter in. Enter in. Start, start, Start by reading one chapter, if you haven't done this much, one chapter a day, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And just seeing, what's he up to? What is this Jesus up to? What can I learn from him? What's important to him? If you're going to move here at all, I ab- absolutely don't know how this is possible without starting and at least desiring to enter into engaging the scripture with extreme humility. Right? You guys know there's also ways that people have done horrible things and said, well, this Bible verse over here says... If anybody ever tries to convince you to do something that feels a little, ah, with one verse in the Bible, run away. Okay? Know the scripture. Live into it. Talk to God. This is part of how we hear God. One of the things I'll do is I'll just take a passage, even like Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. Grab a little journal. What does that mean, God, that you're my shepherd? Are you? I shall not be in want. That's funny because I kind of feel like that's not true of me. Am I missing something? And I start to get into a conversation with God over the scripture and I start to actually pray the scripture. And you start, I think in that sense, hearing from the Lord. So those are the four blades. I hope you think about them. Hope you'll remember them. I hope you'll try them. This is not a formula, because we're humans. We're animate objects, not inanimate. This isn't magic. This is a relationship. These are principles. And you see them, I think, here in this passage. So what I want to do is I'm going to ask you three questions to close. And then we're just going to take a minute. And I just want to be quiet and just see what might God say. To us as we sit and listen. Here, here are three final questions for you. I think the first question we got to answer is, are we, are we comma people? Be honest. It's okay. Like if you just say, like, I, I don't think God is speaking still to me. And you feel like I'm a period. 
person. Would you enter into a dialogue with God about that? Would you be honest with somebody else in your life about that? Because I do think God is inviting you, no doubt, into the comma life. Are you a comma person or are you a period person? For you, not just, yeah, I think God still speaks, but he just doesn't speak to me. No, you are a comma person. That's the prayer. Are you comma or a period person? Answer that. Second question is, what are those four blades of the windmill would you say, yeah, I'm going to work on that. I'm going to think, I need to have somebody in my life that I'm meeting with who can talk to me about what God's saying. I'm going to um, start to read the scripture more than I have been. You know, I'm going to go deeper in my prayer life, or I'm going to try some other spiritual practices that I've never tried before. I'm going to miss lunch someday. I'm going to fast for lunch and just listen to God and see what he says. Every time my tummy growls, I'm going to make it a prayer. That's what I'm going to do. Or I'm going to stop and look more at my circumstances. I'm going to process those circumstances with somebody else. Which of those four blades do you think for you needs the most help? And just the last question is, what will you do? What will you do? I think sermons are so funny. How many of these do we hear? How many of these do we forget? How many of these do we not act on? I, I really believe every time I hear a talk and I don't actually take a next step, it just is easier the next time to do the same thing. You ever notice that? So here's just the challenge, encouragement today. What would it be? What would you do? What would you do this week to try to move forward on one of these? So I'm going to pray. And I'm praying that the comma God will speak to us now. Lord, thank you that you are alive by your spirit, alive and well. There's no period at the end of your name. Thank you that you love us enough to not treat us like robots. That can be frustrating sometimes, God, when we just want clear direction. And yet it's a sign, God, that you even trust us enough to make decisions sometimes. So God, would you speak to us right now? And I pray, God, there's, there's decisions in this room right now that are probably haunting some of us. I pray, God, that maybe something from this morning would stir our ears to hear you, that just whisper even to us. So, Lord, we love you, and just for one little moment, we're going to be quiet here and listen to you. You're good, Lord. Keep speaking to us in Jesus' name. Amen.